Hello, welcome to Derp's Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Rumbleverse. I was going to call it Grapital City, but that's not the name of the game. Uh, today we're going to talk a little about Rumbleverse. Before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? On this podcast, we talk about games. And for once in our fucking lives, we're actually going to do that. We're actually going to talk about a game rather than a movie or a TV show or like something completely fucking unrelated, right? Um, well, most of them the are story. not completely unrelated. That's yep. true. That's fair. This is this is true blue, and we almost have like a weirdly a weird series of this right at this point because we have reviewed a number of different um, over over the over the last couple of years. We have reviewed a number of different battle royale games, starting all the way with the big boom of them with PUBG, right? Player Knows Battlegrounds, um, and then we did Warzone. We did. Um, I think we've done all uh, of them except all the major ones, except for Fortnite. Except for Fortnite, yeah. Except for like the one that defines them all. Hey, I mean, like, I, will, I will argue that that the PUBG is kind of one of the more defining ones, right? Like it's set a lot of the conventions, but Fortnite's the big one. Fortnite's the popularizer. That right? that's definitely true. I I mean, Fortnite this this game feels a lot like Fortnite, right? Um, in the sense of just visually speaking, you know, you're you're in third person. Um, it is much more about sort of like fantasy and cartoonishness rather than than uh, um, what would I call it realism yeah i guess just realism right um so so yeah. yeah um i mean and so part of that is understandable i believe it's published by epic games um it's developed by iron galaxy um it's an epic game store exclusive on the pc you know um and everything basically is model like I'm, I'm my understanding is that the Fortnite people um help them with a lot of like the infrastructure type stuff um so, you know, it's got all that manpower behind it. Like, the Battle Pass basically looks like a Fortnite Battle Pass, from what I understand about Fortnite Battle Pass. You know, fair enough. Actually, the challenges also look like that. You know, like, one of the things that I, that I have read, I, I have not actually played Fortnite, so I don't know. But one of the things that I've read about Fortnite that, that is kind of interesting is how Fortnite uses very specific kinds of sort of quests and challenges in order to, um, you know, like, uh, the errant signal... Uh, one is just like one of these YouTubers. He he, ta he talks about how Fortnite is the party that's a platform, right? And how one of the things that feels good about Fortnite is you kind of walk uh, through the different you know like you you move through all of the different sort of like quests and challenges and you're always ending that match on something that is like interesting you've made some sort of like progress and it directs your sort of play in in game and i've never seen a lot of other like i have i have very rarely it feels like seen other sorts of games in this sort of pvp genre that have uh fulfilled that kind of um directive actually weirdly maybe hearthstone quests are a good example of it as well because hearthstone quests also like very much direct your play in the sense that it encourages you to, to to play certain classes right or you know deal x amount of damage with nature spells okay well certain classes are going to deal nature spells i'm gonna i'm gonna load up a deck with that right um uh, that you know, like that that sort of thing, and I guess in the uh, some of the other battle royales that we have that we have played, the kind of the quests are a little bit m more, I guess, difficult. Yeah. To complete. So I, I was gonna say, like, I feel like they direct you, but I think in like a way that's kind of actively harmful to playing the game, right? Like yeah. everything in Rumbleverse is like you know, dodge five times, right? Like um, maybe it's like a specific like use a bat or something. But for the most part, it's kind of like do a thing that you were already going to do. You'll make some progress. Maybe it directs you a little bit, but like 
things in like other games are like do X damage with a specific gun, right? Which, you know, maybe that gun isn't the best gun for you to be using right now, but you've got the quest for it and you have to do it. Um, Call of Duty's dailies were very much like this, but Call of Duty gets away with it a little bit because like its core mode is, or at least wasn't for a long time, Warzone, right? Like its core mode is like... Um, uh, like the multiplayer where you where like the games are basically cheap and it's like oh if I have to play with a gun I'm not great at it. it's not the end of the world because yeah I'm also part of it is that my my understanding of the Fortnite map is that it has all these like little secrets and stuff right so the quests are these things it's like you know open the vault in this little district or whatever and the vault itself is this kind of little mini game that you have to go figure out where you run around this zone and you hit five levers and then the vault opens and you go and you can get it in the vault and you can get some like good shit or whatever right and that sort of feels like enough on its own um yeah. and maybe you don't maybe you don't win but you walk away with like a pretty big kind of like reward based on that i guess which is just different than like you know in like rumbleverse me beating up a bunch of guys um, is sort of just expected, I guess, is, is is sort of how I would, like, think about it or frame it. And therefore, um, you know, uh, I would be... Uh, I, I don't know. It's, it, 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 it isn't something that, that I'm thinking about consciously. It's something that at the end of the match, I go, oh, wow, I completed that. Yeah. Oh, huh. Would you look at this? It's done, right? Um, I also think that, like... Something I've been impressed with is it's been, I've been I've been playing a bit more than Buddy has, but um, as you do them, they've started to in, in, include more kind of like advanced tech, right? Like right around the time I was like placing out of like the beginner league, it's like like one of the one of the ones I just finished is um, roll canceling. Um, what it says is is like roll cancel twelve moves. It gives you a basic explanation. It's like if you dodge roll out of certain moves, you can end them early and recover from them quicker. Um, doesn't tell you exactly which ones, but figure it out and go do that, right? That's not a thing I knew was in the game, right? And so, like, I'm like, oh, I learned how to do this. And for those of you at home that are wondering, the most basic way to do this is um, the dash, the dash attack. Um, so, so the so the, the the two types of attacks are called strikes and vicious. Strikes are fast but blockable. Vicious are slow but unblockable. The dash strike, which is a, uh, a drop kick. Um, you can roll out of the recovery for that. Um, so if you, and this, this led me to discover a combo ability. If you drop kick someone into a wall and get them to splat on the wall, you can roll out of that and grab them for free, right? That's a combo. That's the thing I learned because it was direct. I was directed in that direction by the game. So I think that's good okay. design. That yeah. is actually very good design, right? Using, it, it, which is different, obviously. It, like, you know, the, the Fortnite one is about setting these sort of miniature sub-objectives that leave you with a feeling of winning even if you didn't win the match, right? Um, but this is, like, teaching you tech, which yeah. I think is really sweet, right? Yeah. Um, and part part of this, I will say, I, I, I want to know how, like, a complete novice approaches that because, like, I have experience with fighting games, right? So for those of you that we didn't kind of do like a basic thing at the top, but Rumbleverse is like uh, vaguely wrestling themed or not vaguely, very wrestling themed fighting game battle royale. It is um, 3D, but it plays, doesn't it quite play like, like, like say Tekken, which is a classic 3D game. It's kind of like a 3DFI 2D game um, with a lot more verticality than something like a Tekken would give you, but it doesn't feel like say Smash, like, or like an arena fighter. Um, I have heard it compared to Anarchy Reigns, but I have not played a lot of that game, so I could not I cannot vouch for that. Um, but uh, you know, 
There's otherwise it's like a it's like a battle royale game. But unlike a battle royale game, or unlike a typical battle royale game, you're not shooting people, right? There's a lot of counterplay. And in, in, in that sense, I think like the other battle royales we played, I think the game that is most like gameplay wise is Spellbreak, because it also had that kind of slow moving. You you're very like the projectiles are slow moving, and you're very able to interact with what's happening, um, and uh, and like make specific decisions around specific moves. Unlike unlike you know the shooters, which you know as a genre kind of tend to reward camping and sniping, um, and you know un, un, uh, unreactable play to a certain extent. And the games that mitigate it have like there are games that try and mitigate that issue, but like as a genre, shooters kind of are like that. Whereas uh, this game has has a lot of uh, they kind of funny game fundamentals, right? Like um like it's a version of footsies when you're facing someone down. Um, it also has like the like you know the the uh, what's it called the battle royale problems of like you know being third party or whatever and that like screwing with that. But you know I think that's all part of the fun. Um, yeah, it is definitely very common to be in a fight with somebody and then like. Just to get like wanged with a chair over the head, yeah. <laughs> which to be fair, I guess is is pretty thematic to a wrestling game, right? right. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, to kind of get uh, attacked from some odd angle in the middle of you know, like in the middle of your fight. But um, yeah, the, the it, it is certainly it is certainly chaotic. Um, I'm also so I'm super interested in kind of like the changes. So. You said you played one match of singles before you got into duos? Yeah, I played one match of singles. I actually did pretty well. I maybe I think I got 10th place, you know, like halfway through, right? It's it's 20 people. Um, and uh, I got maybe two knockouts. I actually did not understand the book, so it was just with the basic combos um, of just me just smacking and dodging and smacking the shit out of people. Uh, and eventually yeah, they, they died. I also used weapons very aggressively actually is the real thing. Um, is that, and I think that this might've been my thing. They were looking for these books, but I couldn't understand how the, how to use the books. Um, it took me, it was my second match that I figured out how to activate a book and put it on a keybind. Um, so my thing was I was running around, I was pulling up stop signs, um, I went really hard with this baseball bat for basically the back half, I was just like kicking the shit out of these people with the baseball bat, and then um, and then my baseball bat broke, I guess, because the weapons only last for a little bit. Yeah, they have durability. Uh, you know, like, uh, yeah, a certain number of hits. Uh, and then... And then I just died. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so just to, to, to correct you a little bit, um, singles are like thirty-five to forty people. So if you got to ten, good job. Um, duos, oh, it's wow. like twenty okay. teams. So like up to up to forty individuals. But you know, it's okay, used. sure. Um, uh, so something that that was interesting to me is that like the stat cap is lower in duos. It's eight instead of ten. Your health starts out lower. Um, uh, the re- the recover ability on the super doesn't work the same um, in a way that's kind of frustrating. I think if you go down and you have full super, so so in general, the way the way that the game has a super meter, it builds up. You can pop it uh, while it, while it's popped, it'll instantly restore your stamina, which is super inter- is super useful. Has a little bit of knockback on the animation. Um, it gives you access to a super uh, a super grab, which is essentially a big spinning pile driver. Um, but the alternate use in singles is if you get knocked down, you'll pop back up with about 300 health. Or I think it scales depending on like how much health you have. You pop back up with some, some amount of health. 
Um, in duos, it appears that if you go down with Superstar ready, but your partner is still alive, um, you will uh, the it will not pop the super. Uh, it will not pop you back up. Um, but it looked like if you went down and you were the second person to go down, it would pop you back. I think I think I saw someone pop back up off of, off of the super at some point, which is okay. That's interesting. Yeah, but it won't pop like if if like we had this happen to us. If I, I went down. You were still up. I had super ready, and then you went down, and it didn't pop me back up. So I, 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 you know, game's still a little rough around the edges. I, I experienced like solos have been pretty clean, but like duos, I've, I've run into a couple of bugs with you. Like you, you got caught in the reading animation. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Uh, there, there's some other like little things, but you know, nothing terrible. But like you know, it is, it is still kind of like rough, right? Like as you might like as a lot of these game, uh, these games released these days is like not quite you know, fully polished, which is a shame, but that's kind of the reality we're working with. Have you only played duos with me? Or yes, have you played yes, duos you were the others? first person I played duos with. Okay. Yeah, that is definitely really interesting. I like Rumbleverse a lot. I mean, after that first game, I just I just wrote, holy shit, Rumbleverse is the shit, right? right. Um, particularly just because I, I feel like I have a lot of options for um, um, sort of movement and um, recovery, but, like, things are, you know... If you go, you know, like if you go down, not in like the down sense of, um, like in the like in the on the ground sense of like a fighting game or whatever, um, you have options to sort of like get back up and get back on your feet, which feels sort of like fair. But like also, if you overcommit to attacks, you really leave yourself open, which is kind of like a huge, um, a huge deal and a huge weakness. Like one of the things that made the weapons feel so strong in that first singles match for me was how much reach and ability and like not recovery that I had. Right when you swing a weapon. You know, because people are so far out, you know they can't they can't be they can't be near you when you swing your weapon, obviously. Um, uh, and the recovery is so fast that it just it just sort of felt like I was able to to get past a lot of the you know um, kind of a lot of the bullshit that that goes on with just the 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 hand to hand fighting. Um, and then I also think that weapons have higher priority than other sorts of attacks yes. do. Yeah, I saw like weapon priority popping up or whatever. Um, so weapons seemed very strong and I did not utilize them in subsequent matches as well as I did that very first singles match. Yeah, so that's actually super, like that's I said something I want to highlight is it pops up all these like texts that kind of like give you an idea of why what happens happens. There's the, like if you go into training mode, it'll explain to you what the set priorities are, right? I believe it's super, then weapons, then special, or then like, like, the uppercut in particular has its own like super priority than most special moves, um, or rather, special strikes, normal strikes, special vicious, normal vicious. Um, and that's part of the balance, right? Strikes tend to t strikes will beat out viciouses, which kind of so in the, the the standard fighting game triangle is um, block beats strike, um, strike beats grab, grab beats. Uh, block, block. Um, and vicious kind of takes the uh, takes the form of the grab here. It works a little bit. It's, it's not quite the same triangle because um, vicious are very slow and very reactable. So even if you're blocking, you'd probably be able to drop and like roll out of the way. Um, you kind of have to have like you either have to get like a solid read on someone, or wait, excuse me, wait for them to screw up to reliably land a grab. Um, 
But you know, there, there's a lot. We're waiting for them to fight somebody else yeah. and just third party really hard. Yeah, I mean, yes, that is that is that is the nature. But like, that's I think that's like so that's a thing that will make this game more uh, more approachable for new players, right? Like the big pro- a big problem with fighting games in general is that it's hard for new players to get in because you will get your just like ass pounded in the moment you start playing online, right? Like like most of these games are one on one. Um, unlike say league, you don't have anyone else to blame but yourself. Um, and so the games that have historically done well getting people in have been Smash and these other arena fighters, which uh, generally like you know they have like a non-competitive mode that gets you in right, like Smash's items, um, and they have like you know these these free for all modes with like a bunch of people. Um, and Rumbleverse basically has copied that model in terms of like getting like. If you are playing singles, like most of the time, um, especially in like the final, the final kind of fights, it'll be you versus one other person, and you can really kind of like let, get your footsies in, right, and like use the tech and be smart about it. And if you're a better player, you can probably win. Um, however, there's always the danger of the third party coming in, and that amount of randomness makes it like approachable to newer players. Also, the ability to kind of like run away, right? Like you can you can yep. only like back up so far in like a in a, in a traditional fighting game. So the ability to run away. Yeah, no, I absolutely booked it. You know, I hit I hit the bricks, as they say. If it sucks, you can leave. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think I think it's I think so. I've heard people complaining about the art style, and I kind of like whatever about it. Um, but I think outside of that issue, right? I think this this this, this game can have legs just because it's like going to be super. Uh, super approachable to a lot of people that otherwise like don't understand fighting games right yeah Um, and i also think that it is the kind of battle royale it in you know i i really liked that close combat nature of spellbreak um and i think i liked spellbreak more but obviously spellbreak doesn't exist anymore so i can't even really like test that kind of hypothesis you know like spellbreak had this nice thing of um uh, you know, kind of traversing the map in and of itself was pretty like fun and interesting, right? You had you had different abilities to kind of get around, like flying and jumping and stuff like that. Um, and uh, and the variety in the gauntlet types was also pretty, you know, pretty interesting. Um, I don't get the same sense that there's that level of sort of complexity into in Rumbleverse, but I also don't think Rumbleverse is going for that, right? Like, because it is keying so hard into these fighting game, uh, into these fighting game fundamentals, right? It real like, the circle is very aggressive in Rumbleverse compared to some of these other battle royales where, you know, where it'll give you three or four minutes between each round. Like, Rumbleverse is like 90 seconds. Um, and it gets tight, right? Like, it really, it tightens, it tightens you in very quickly. Um... And then I also think that uh, that Rumbleverse really wants you to fight, right? Because another whole mechanic in Rumbleverse is that you get more powerful as you deal damage, right? And as you get into some of these fights. So there is no good reason to sort of camp um, or, or to avoid combat in any sort of way. And I think all of that stuff really funnels you into... I, I guess I never really felt like... I wanted to engage an enemy team as bad as I wanted to engage Rumble versus enemy teams, right? Like, yeah. the game provides a lot of reason for you to just, like, go kick the shit out of somebody else. Yeah, right. Like, something like something like Apex, right? Like, you know, they're, like, they, they have some good ideas in that, right? Like, you deal damage, you can upgrade your armor, right? But, like, 
a pound for pound, right? It might be worth just holding back, right? You're not spending, you're spending resources every time you engage. Rumbleverse, you know, yeah, you might burn a weapon. Yeah, you might have to eat some chicken to heal up. But like the benefit, like you're gaining something, right? You're gaining these perks like you're talking about. And, uh, you know, there's like not, it's not like you're spending so much to go engage. And like you said, you get pushed into these things anyway. Something I thought that was super, super interesting and super clever is that ringing out doesn't work like most games, right? Most games like apply like a ramping amount of damage when you're out in the in the fog. This game instead um, has you ring out like a like you know like a wrestling match, like or a um, like a boxing match even, right? Like if you're outside the ring, a 10 second timer starts counting down, and it fuzzes around the edge a little bit, but it doesn't do any damage to you, right? So you can strategically use that. You can also use that to like like if you throw someone outside the ring. You might try and like keep them outside the ring as like a way to, to kill them, but it's not like doing that is going to like deal them damage. It's not the advantage you get over them is they have the pressure to get into the ring, not that um, you know you're you're constantly doing it, which I think is very clever because like it lets them. I think that's what part of what makes lets them be more aggressive with the ring ring coming in. Right, is you can dip out into the into the fog and have it not be an issue for a lot of the time. Um, yeah, I also felt very healthy in here compared to you know like the time to kill is insanely long if yeah. I were to compare it to basically any other battle royale out there, right? Because you just have a big health pool and um, and it takes a couple of very like dedicated kind of heavy attacks um, or just a real lot of light attacks in order to like actually chip away um, at somebody and get them and get them kind of like all the way all the way to zero. And so compounding that with these sort of ring mechanics, um, it just sort of feels like you can play with the ring way more than I than I've ever been able to feel like I can play um, with the ring in other games, especially because you can also like there's so much more directionality and brawling that happens where like I am kicking I am it's 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 almost like in Smash right where you're edge camping you're edge guarding um, like I am I am actively keeping you out of the safe zone right until someone you know, like until someone rings out entirely, well, you can do that, right? Because you have all of these abilities that are making sure they don't get, they don't get back inside. They don't get to safety. And even if they do, they still kind of keep their timer, right? So if you dip in, you don't reset to 10, um, though you do start counting back up slowly or whatever, right? So you can just, you can just throw them right back out and, and good use of that directionality and positioning, um, is, uh, is a real way to, is a real way to beat somebody and win. Yeah, no, it's and it's super and it's super, it's super satisfying too, right? Like keeping people out. Like so, right before we got on this, we had a duos match, um, and we managed to win. Um, and the way I won was is I did a dive tackle. I dive tackled um, a somebody off of the top of a building and into the water, right? Which is an instant ring out. Um, I'm very glad to see the Iron Galaxy got that right. Like this is like the classic like Ganondorf like suicide move, right? Like yeah, that they would have, they could have fucked that interaction up, right? right. You know, like oh, you're, you know, whatever. It's draw, it's a tie. That would suck. Right? Yeah. Worst case scenario would be would they they win somehow. Uh, right. But very clearly they understood. Oh, you tackled him into the water. He touched water first. Therefore, you win. Like yeah. <laughs> it was. It feels so good too, right? Like that was like the most satisfying thing in the world. Just like, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and it has a bunch of things like that, right? Like, I have been in that position early in the game. Like, so there's a big tower in the middle that is in some, you know, so not not no part of that is map is guaranteed to be in the in the in the active zone. The left half of the map is much more vertical than the right half of the map, which is just an interesting dynamic in its own right. Um, but like 
they're tall buildings. You can do that tackle off of a tall building, and like as you fall, the, the like you'll get like a like a like a you know like a like you know how like when a rocket ship comes in, it gets like that entry like heat. Right, like mm-hmm. that's an effect, and it will grow bigger the the further you fall, and you can do that either for the elbow slam or if you tackle somebody off a ledge. So like tackling somebody off of a tall building and just having that blow up and just like slamming into the ground for massive damage is like so satisfying. Um, yeah. The other easy version of yeah. this is, is with the super pile driver. If you can bounce off of cars and so you can go higher into the air and get like that, boom, and it's like slamming the ground. It feels so good. It feels so perfect. It is. It, it like I I'm surprised because the, one of the things that I connected with on this game pretty immediately was the environment, right? Which isn't this, you know, um, I I think a lot of uh, battle royales are very open, right? Like it's like wide open spaces. Maybe you have forests, maybe you have like mountains and and, like hills and stuff like that, right? Uh, But like buildings are kind of like few and far between, right? Um, If you think about something like the PUBG map or whatever else. Um, And the interesting thing about Rumbleverse is that it is set in a very dense city rather than um a uh uh like a, like a like a more open space than right. that um and there's so much verticality to it because you can just climb on any building right like kind of like spider-man uh you just you just climb up the side of this building you can go all the way to the top you know in just a couple of uh in just a couple of seconds and so there's that vertical layer to the whole to the whole project um is interesting and fun in a way that i wasn't expecting right um because like there definitely is verticality when it comes to some some of these other games especially in like landmarks right like when i'm thinking about like the hospital or um you know there are those there are those kind of apartment buildings in war zone right where you can like go to the top and and sort of be on the roofs of these um on the roofs of these buildings but like there's real you know apex is actually apex maybe the best version of this yeah. obviously because of um uh, you know the, the the different abilities, right? Like the grapple hook, you can redeploy yourself with those lines, um, or whatever they're called. And um, and there's just something about like fighting on these multiple levels and being able to sort of escape a fight by you know like like climbing up the side of a building, right? Or Bless excuse you. me, <coughs> ah, leave a fight by diving off of a building, right? And getting away from uh, and getting away from from danger, right? I think all of that stuff is very is very neat and complex, uh, and probably serves to complement the world in the way that I liked the traversal sort of abilities that were in Spellbreak, right? You know, like um, uh, like flying or jumping or teleporting or whatever else. All of that stuff existed in Spellbreak to kind of help you move from point A to point B. Um, and that stuff, I think, is just all built into this verticality uh, and the world itself, right? Which has these jump pads, like kind of like Sonic or whatever, where it'll let you just like zoom in, you know, like bounce all the way up into the air, kind of out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and that like and when, when I said that like the right side of the map is flat, I didn't like it's even for as like less varied as it is. There's still like a ton of like two story and like three story buildings that like give you that ability to duck and weave out of stuff and, like, like make these those moves. It just doesn't have, like, the super high buildings that give you the super dramatic kind of, like, slams. Um, but it's still super fun. Um, uh, but, yeah. Um, something kind of along along the lines of those... It's, it's only vaguely related, but I really, like... They've, like, really nailed kind of, like, the the wrestler aesthetic, I think. Like, the name of the city is Grapital City. 
Um, the name of the announcer is Skip Legger Day. Um, and, you know, all like, you know, the buffs are protein powder packs, right? Um, he's constantly making, you know, comments about like, you know, if it's your cheat day, get like the extra chicken breast or whatever, right? Like, it's like so over the top and like, yeah, it's a little, it's a little corny, but I think it like really fits with like the aesthetic of the game. Um, and it's like, I don't know. I, I, I found myself like laughing at a bunch of the, uh, a bunch of these, these dumb jokes, um, you know, like the name Skip Legger Day, like the name Skip Legger Day is so fucking perfect, right? Like, like Skip is like the eternal, like, I feel like there's like seven D2 sport broadcasters whose first name is Skip. I don't know why, but that <laughs> seems to be like a thing. And like Skip Legger Day is just like, you know, like perfect, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, and they like, they've nailed like, you know, that kind of like goofy, like, like, the, like it feels like you're playing a WWE match in a lot of ways, right? Like the ring, if you if you look closely, is a band. It's like it's like the um, the the ropes, in in like a wrestling ring, um, and kind of aesthetic versus like you know like the electric field or the gas from, uh, your typical, uh, typical game. So, uh, I think I think that's like a really well done aspect of it. I, th- I think Iron Galaxy really kind of like hit it out of the park with like the. The, the soft parts like, like you you have an opinion about like the the visuals in the game because I, I have I have heard a lot of people are not super happy with them like they think really like, wow okay that's interesting um I think it looks ugly no is, is what I have heard okay I okay I guess I get that to a certain extent I, I I like it because I think it is better than hyperrealism i guess i the you know the more the more of these you know kind of games that i play um the more i look back on the original PUBG and think that it is the worst of all of them aesthetically um and i think i probably still agree with that opinion even like even warzone has this sort of futuristic aspect like apex and warzone get away with it a little bit because they're like futuristic even though they are like real or whatever i don't don't think Um, apex can be rightly described as like realistic yeah, I guess it's true. It's just like, you know, then there are the games that I have played that have this cartoony aspect, right? Or like Fortnite also has this cartoony aspect. And I think that's part of the appeal in like yeah. in its own way, right? Like it's the same sort of thing. We've talked about this before in in some of these other games like WoW or um uh, you know, games that feel weirdly timeless just because they kind of had a cartoonish ass they, they like they had they had a cartoonish aesthetic and as gr- kind of graphical fidelity increased over the years that cartoonishness grew and it came to encompass right um what the game itself sort of like looks like and and how it how it kind of behaves um and i think that that has worked for other sorts of yeah. projects in the past, um, I don't know I'm trying to think. Maybe like Borderlands would be a good example of this. I feel like it's very easy for me to go back and play Borderlands Two, even though that game is you know ten-ish years old, probably more than that at this point. It'd be easy for me to go back and play Borderlands Two. It would be much harder for me to go back and play any of these kind of generic military shooters that were going for for realism at the time. And so on that level, I appreciate the aesthetics of um, Rumbleverse, and I think that they they kind of get they get it right that said i do sort of think that there's a um maybe i'll call it like a genericism to the game uh where the characters just sort of have this sort of basic and 
clip art feel to them, right? Like they are, they are not unique or bespoke. Um, they almost sort of feel like an asset flip, even though I know they're not right. But it just, it just gives me that, that sort of like vibe, um, as if they're, they're too, you know, like this is normally a texture problem. Um, not, not texture in a, in a like technical art sense, but texture in a, uh, sort of like theoretical sense, right? Texture is the thing that allows you to like really grab on to something, um, you know. And so that in in the League of Legends universe, for instance, there's a lot of texture to those characters because of the way that the aesthetics are built to sort of mirror the who the character is. And so even if I haven't played League in years, like Yasuo's, I can I can look at a skin. And recognize, oh, that's a Yasuo skin, right? Or I can look at, you know, some or some character art for Orn coming to Legends of Ruterra and go, oh, that's that's Orn, right? But I feel like if you were to show me key art from an update to Rumbleverse, I would not be able to pick it out, right? You know, from a lineup and be and and say this is the thing that is unique to rumbleverse which to be fair is also a criticism i would levy against fortnite if fortnite did not make its whole brand at this point just you know i ips right just pulling in ips from from around the world and adding them to the game for the value of having you know rick sanchez dolphin dive into the water and then pop out and kamehameha you while you try and block with a fucking lightsaber like <laughs> Fair, very fair, yeah. Oh man, it, it is kind of funny that Fortnite is kind of more of a metaverse than fucking Meta's metaverse thing is. Um, but you know, that's just kind of like the way it goes. Yeah, I mean, somebody made the point that for somebody made the point on Twitter, I guess, that Fortnite is um, is sort of like the game version in a way of um, uh, uh, the PC game version in a way of. Smash Brothers, right? Um, that the promise of Smash Brothers that everyone always was like, oh, what if we had Halo? What if we had, you know, whatever? Or whatever? Well, Fortnite kind of did that. Fortnite has added everything from all of these different IPs. And I have no idea how they do it. I guess they just must make so much fucking money that it doesn't matter. And they can pay these outrageous licensing fees to, like, you know, Warner Brothers or whatever to get Batman in the game. Um, but, yeah, it just – it every, every Fortnite season they announce some new – partnership for with some new ip and and it's a whole thing yeah so so lou says the joy of goku with the gun i think that's part of it right like one to your point right like either they're paying extra licensing fees or you know shonen jump is like oh this is super popular right like we will do a revenue split with you right um, yeah and the you know the, the gun part of that is like there's not a, it's not like say smash for like you know if you put goku in you would have to like sakurai would have to go come up with a moveset for goku that is both unique and balanced against the other the rest of the roster right goku just uses yeah, fucking everything else that's already in the game right like, <laughs> like yeah maybe the kamehameha gets introduced but that's also like a thing that gets universalized right it's not like it's not like you are picking a character. You are picking a skin, and all the tools in the game are available to you. And even if there's a theme tool like, you know, like the Infinity Gauntlet for fucking Avengers, right? Like, that's, like, available to every character in the game. And so you don't have to worry about, um, like, those kind of design constraints, right? Like, every, like, it, it's just, it's it's just a, you know, a costume. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think that's part of what, like, en enables this, right? Because, like, the, the other thing that's, like, 
kind of trying to fulfill that promise is uh is is multiverses I and mean, he's doing the work there right um but that's also like the wb kind of like entire universe i guess uh, yeah yeah lou says uh skins are quick and dirty money it's smart if a bit lamer overall than actually crafting a character true right and it allows you to kind of you know shit them out right um you know put a put a bunch of them on the battle pass so that somebody going through the battle pass kind of gets a a, a variety of these um you know i remember it's funny because um you know, Total Biscuit, uh, years and years ago. Peace be upon him. Yeah, was a was a Hearthstone. You know, like he was he was a, he was a Hearthstone YouTuber on top of his other stuff, right? He would he would post Hearthstone content, and he was outraged when they first started selling skins for Hearthstone. He was like, "Are you fucking kidding me? You want me to buy a JPEG for ten dollars?" Um, uh, which I feel very called out about because I have all of the JPEGs for ten dollars that that they ever sold, right? Um, but whatever the case may be, they um, now as part of the Hearthstone Battle Pass, right? You get ten, you get ten skins, you get a bunch of skins. I think it's more than ten; it's probably like fifteen or something. Um, and like, if you complete the Battle Pass, you get a very special skin, which is like one of the default heroes, but in a, a special piece of tier gear, right? So you can get, you know, um, you can get uh, Garrosh of Wrath, for instance, or the Judgment their skin or whatever and like that that's just kind of become a an accepted way that um that people that you get rewarded on battle passes right um and it sort of makes sense oh my god but what if the jpeg was on the blockchain fucking shoot me is what i would say to that <laughs> yep i like you know we've discussed this before right like there's no need to like like Epic could could like move move skins between like say Fortnite and uh, Rumbleverse on its own if it wanted to, right? Like it wouldn't need to use the uh, you know leverage the blockchain for that. But uh, assuming that that's nothing more than a shit post, I will admit that I spent ten dollars on the horse head JPEG because um, <laughs> I I just love that fucking thing. Um, I also bought the battle pass because you know I think the game's super fun, um, but. Um, that is an interesting thing, though, because I, I was thinking about this, right? Like, part of, you know, not, to bring it back to the game that we always talk about, right? Um, World of Warcraft has some of that, but most of it is, you know, like, Mog is a thing that I care about as a player. Um, not every player cares about it, but I do. And most of, the, most of that you get by, like, playing the game in certain ways, right? Like, beating certain content. You know, maybe you're buying it off the auction house, but it's still, like, all inside the mechanism of the game. Whereas, like, and there's, like, some, I feel like there's some amount of pride to that, right? Like, I have, mm -hmm. in some way, put in the effort to collect these pieces, um, and I couldn't just buy them with dollars, right? Like, I had, I had to put, um, I had to put the effort in. Um, and then there's also enough variability there that, like, the, you know, assembling the outfit is its own set of pride, right? There's the whole trial of style thing. Um, but um, that's the thing that, like, I feel like kind of, like, dampens my excitement for a lot of kind of like the continuing like battle pass stuff for instance in 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 this game like i have my horse head i'll probably do the battle pass because i thought it was cool but i don't know what like what my uh what like my motivation really is going forward right like there's not a lot like other than the enjoyment of the game right which is fun like you know i'm not going to say that I, I like i love the game so i'll play it for fun right which is ideally what you're playing these games for right is to, is to have fun um, but, um, in terms of, like, the extrinsic rewards, like, 
there's not a lot there for me. And I think that's something that, like, this model of game has kind of ruined for me, right? Like, you know, I don't particularly care um, about, like, any particular, like... Like, I'm not impressed if someone has, like, the Goku skin in Fortnite because they paid, you know, $10 for it, right? Even if it's on the Battle Pass, right? Like, they played a lot of Fortnite, right? Like, congratulations, right? Like, it's not like, you know, like, I beat Sylvanas, right? Like, um... Yeah. Type of deal. Uh, so, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if... I, I feel like there's... I feel like I could, if I thought about it more, I could, I could put some... There. Do, you have, do you have any thoughts on that in particular? Like, that, that kind of aspect of it? I also think this... Maybe maybe I do think the aesthetic is bad. Because when I looked at the costumes, I just didn't care about any of it, right? Whereas there's always a feeling... You know, like, Dragonflight is an alpha right now. Um, there's We're getting a bunch of stuff from the Dragonflight alpha that is like, this is what tier is going to look like. This is what, you know, the, the dungeon sets are going to look like. This is what the armor is going to, you know, is going to look like. I'm really motivated by that. Right. And I think that the, the sets look good and there's ones that I'm like, Ooh, I really want that. Right. Um, the same thing was true for, uh, the same thing was true for every patch basically of, you know, Shadowlands where I was looking at these different like cosmetics and going um and going out and grabbing them because I had a real sort of need and desire to to get them and complete those collections. And I think that's part like part of that is just the raw aesthetic value of those is much better than the raw aesthetic value of any of these individual costume pieces inside of um, inside of Rumbleverse, right? And, like, it, Rumbleverse has the advantage because it is third party, right? Like, something that frustrates me a little bit about Overwatch when I got into Overwatch a couple of, you know, like, months ago or whatever um, was I was, like, unlocking these skins, but for the most part, you really don't see your Overwatch skin because it's first person, right? The most you get is, like, a gunshot where you are seeing kind of the back of your gun. Um, and... That's okay, I guess, but it just feels worse than something like a true skin in Fortnite or in League or any of these other third-party, you know, third, uh, sorry, third-person games where you have a camera that is pointing at your character. Um, it just, I, I care a lot more about, about the skins when it comes to that stuff. And so because Rumbleverse is third-person, but it does not animate me like that, I just don't know. Think about what Apex does to combat this. What does Apex do to combat this? I have not played Apex in a long time. So Um, so what does Apex do? So Apex Apex gives you a lot of time where you're like looking at your character, like uh, some of the abilities will pull you out or like, you know, Hero cards intros been posed. Yeah, that's 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 what I was thinking. You know, thank you, Charles. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. That is true. That is also true for Overwatch, right? You know, it feels good to have a skin when you get to play the game. It feels good to have a skin on the victory screen, right? Like on the victory pose screen. Um, so I guess that that is sort of uh, what makes what what makes those skins sort of feel valuable compared to something like League, where you know, even in the character select screen, I never I never really see my skin. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they could change the UI since this is the last time I played that garbage game. Uh, the, but you you never really see your skin. But in game, you are with your skin kind of like the whole time, right? Yeah. Um, it's interesting about like Rumbleverse too, because like I think part of it is that like they haven't done like excuse me, and maybe this is like a version one thing. They haven't done a lot to like celebrate a lot of like what's happening, right? Like 
we, you know, like you said, we got first place, right? That was great. You know, most of these games, like, have, like, a big, like, you know, fanfare. Even, like, the, you know, the original PUBG, like, said winner, winner, chicken dinner on the screen, right? Like, yep. this is kind of like, good job. Here's, like, the same ending screen you have every other time, but there's a one instead of, like, you know, a two or, like, a 13. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think my other big criticism, the thing that I've been thinking about with Rumbleverse also, is I don't know where you can go from here, in a way. Whereas... Um, with PUBG, I, you know, one of the things that kept me around in PUBG was seeing new shit all the time. Um, and it wasn't that much new. It was just, oh, we're adding new guns. We're adding new features. You, you know, like, this is a new accessory you can you can pick up and, and put on a thing or whatever. And that's also true for Fortnite, right? Fortnite will do things where the map changes every, you know, this time they flood the map. And this time the map is this. And this time the map is that or whatever else. Um, and I don't know how much I think that Rumbleverse can do that sort of thing, right? I feel like they're really locked into this city, you know, maybe not necessarily this specific city, but a city because of the the way the verticality plays into the whole, um, you know, experience of the game. And, um, <clears throat> you know, like, I wonder if adding a new, I guess their version of a gun would be like a move. So, like, you know, like a new activatable ability would really, like, entice me in the way um, that adding new guns was able to entice me to get, you know. I mean, I don't remember how much how many hours I put in. Let me actually, like, look this up because I, I, I want to uh, be clear. So, Player Unknowns, Battlegrounds. Okay, I put 40 hours into Player Unknowns Battlegrounds, which is probably more than any other, you know, definitely more honestly than any other than any other battle royale I ever played. I bet a lot of those hours were because there was new content that kind of kept me interested. Um, whereas I'm just not sure if Rumbleverse has a lot of room for that sort of thing because it's it's such a technical, uh, you know, it's such a technical fighter. So I want you to guess how many hours I have in PUBG. Hold on, let me make sure I, I get it right. How many hours do you think I have in in, uh, in PUBG? A hundred. Too low. One hundred and seventy-five. Higher. Really? I'll give you one more guess. Two hundred and twenty-five. Four hundred and fourteen. What on earth? When did <laughs> yeah. you play all of this PUBG? <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that. I feel like I feel like we have really. That is insane to me. So like right when it came out, um, friend of the cast Charles, who's currently in the chat. Hello Charles. Um, Hello Charles. Uh, we just played like a ton of it, and like that's like all we played for a while. And so there. Yeah, I I do remember that. I mean, I remember being kind of in the swing of it uh, with PUBG, but it seems incredible that you had ten times. The, that was my thing. I was like, how many more hours? I bet Mango played two and a half times the, the the amount that i played PUBG, right oh okay well i don't know maybe maybe it was like four times more than i played PUBG, right and it's just 10 times that's insane so I, I think i think part of it is like this is when i wasn't playing wow and you were um yeah that's true um yeah we were off league that's that's definitely true we were off league at that point uh so it would have made sense for us to be putting tons of hours into into PUBG, fuck. I, yeah. I'm curious, Charles, if, if you're able to, can you can you see how much you have you have played? Because I'm, I'm very curious. I played a lot with you at that point in time. Um, if you if you are not able to look it up, that's fine too. But I'm I'm curious. Um, 
But yeah. Yeah, it would also be interesting to see it compared to like Warzone and, and some of these other yeah. things, right? Warzone um, and Apex. Like, yeah, I, I wonder... I feel like a lot of a lot of the initial craze around battle royales did get sunk into PUBG, even though like a lot of us have left PUBG behind, right? I don't think anybody I know anybody who would describe PUBG as their preferred uh, battle royale, right? Everyone I know is either Apex, Fortnite, or Warzone, or Fortnite or Warzone. Yeah, those are those are the big three. It feels like. Yeah, I mean, so. I have occasionally been tempted to go back to PUBG because, like, if you, like, so many games have focused on, like, trying to solve the, like, people hide and crawl problem. Um, that every once in a while, I'm like, I kind of want to do that again, right? Like, I want to go back mm -hmm. and, like, do the, like, kind of, like, you know, play like an asshole for, like, half an hour and, like, lose to or win by a sniper rifle, right? Or, like, you know, what do we, like, Monica used to call it boat tech. Right, like we get in the boat, you go hide behind an island, and then when the final circle comes in, you run in, you jump off with a shotgun, and hope you can like shoot them, <laughs> shoot them to death before they notice you. <laughs> um, and that was like that was boat deck. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> but it was it was always super fun because it was like. That was, like, a thing that you could do, like, like, that's a fun thing to jump back into for, like, a couple hours, right? Like, you know, it's yeah. like, like, oh, you know, that was super satisfying. Maybe I don't want to spend another, you know, 100 hours doing that. But, like, I'd go back to it for, like, you know, 10 hours just kind of, like, you know, to get that to get that experience. Because, like, something that it did is it let people, like, do fairly well even if they weren't great at the shooting part of the game. Um, mm -hmm. Part of that, too, is that, like, just shooting in PUBG was, like, like not good um like the game kind of being a mess i think helped you know in a, in a way in terms of like being endearing um maybe <laughs> i don't know but so where does in the pantheon of battle royales where do you think rumbleverse ends up uh pretty high up for me but that's because i particularly okay. like like warzone to me like it was like an inferior version. It always feels to me like an inferior version of the the team deathmatch experience. Which when I'm playing COD, I just want to play stupid fucking team deathmatch or like you know whatever like you know minor kind of objective based games they have. Right? Like I want to be running around and just like fracking the fuck out of people. Right? And so Warzone doesn't quite scratch it for me. I, I'll still play and I'm probably end up still playing with friends. But like it is, it feels like a worse version of. The, of the core COD experience rather than like a particular version of the battle Royale experience. Um, excuse me. Apex. I find fun, but like I'm not consistent at it enough to like feel like accomplished because, because even though Apex, which has a relatively high time to kill um, uh, is uh, like, it's still like, you know, I can, you know, I'm not that great at it, frankly. Right. Like, and so it's not as entertaining to me. Um, but I would say that, like, so I think this is going to rise to the top pretty quick, right? Like, you know, like, PUBG is such a distant memory that I don't know if I can evaluate against it, but the other, the other what are the other ones? Spellbreak, which I really liked, but I, I didn't stick with, um, uh, uh, and Apex, I think, would be the big competitors, and I think this beats Apex, so, you know, uh. Fair enough, yeah. Yeah, I definitely think it beats Apex. I definitely think it beats Warzone. It's weird for me to think that Warzone is like so close to the bottom. Like I think my bottom is probably PUBG, right? In in terms of what are the ones I would want to go back to most, 
probably the number one would have been Spellbreak if it still existed. I think I like Spellbreak better than I like Rumbleverse. Um, um, but then it might be Rumbleverse number two and then Apex Warzone PUBG for the top five. Like the, of the of the Battle Royales we have reviewed on the podcast, right? Obviously Fortnite is excluded because you know we haven't we haven't done done a, a full a full review. Maybe Fortnite would be higher, but that's sort of where that would be my that would be my ranking, I guess, of of these Battle Royales. I think actually the thing that I feel the most is what you said. I I don't have the motivation, and I don't really know why that's the case. I have a lot of motivate like the 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 motivation to to play a game is such a weird fickle thing, right? Like right now in Total War Warhammer three, wow, really? Yep. So Charles says he has four hundred forty two hours. He's got thirty hours more than me. So good job, that Charles. That is insane. I actually really am surprised by that because I felt like we all fell off of PUBG and Charles stayed on. But it's kind of like I think you crazy. fell off of it more just because like you were you were doing WoW stuff, right? Like no, 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 sure, sure, sure. I just remember I remember like I felt like everyone fell off of it, but Charles was still was still playing. Um, maybe, I don't know, maybe by that time we had moved on to, like, Apex or whatever. Apex came out pretty quickly after PUBG, I guess. I think they were in the same, like, year. One one came out about a year after the other, right? <laughs> but he um, fell off ten times sooner. That makes that's true, yeah. Well, there were, there I was were... also the king of showing up for, like, two matches for, like, 45 minutes and then leaving, right, um, to go do other shit. So, that yeah, would, So, I, I think that's actually fairly accurate because, like, there are a lot of games that would be, like, me and Charles and, like, one of, like, and, like, Owen. And then, like, it'd be, like, JB or, like, Mike Ryberg or, like, you know, or you, right? Like, cycling in and out while we were, like, oh, yeah, yeah. I can play a couple more, you know? and <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why. There's just the, – the motivation to play is uh, – is, this hit me with Overwatch, too, right? We were getting back into Overwatch. Um, and, honestly, I was having a great time. I actually – would describe it as a very good game in more or less its current state that I was playing it at least. Um, and, um, but there's just, there was just sort of like no reason to, to push, no reason to do, to do anything, uh, more than that. Right. Um, which I guess maybe they're trying to solve in Overwatch 2, which will have a battle pass. Um, but I don't know. It's it's weird because when I think about the motivation for the games that I have, right, for WoW, I'm very motivated by, you know, like achievements and prestige and, and the FOMO that comes with them. I want AOTC. I want powerful gear. I want, um, I want AOTC. I want powerful gear. I want... Uh, transmog, you know what I mean. I want, I want some of these FOMO items like um, uh, Keystone Master, right? Uh, for instance, or maybe um, I don't know what, like, like the the Corthia daily transmogs that you just kind of like farm out or whatever. I like that's that's the kind of stuff that definitely like gets me to sit down and play WoW. And then when I think about Total War, like Total War, I was very motivated by achievements in Total War Warhammer Two. Because getting to a campaign victory was actually pretty tough in that game. It took a lot of hours. Just as a very long, long strategy game, right? Um, and so when I was playing that all of the time, what I was what I was constantly orienting around was I need to I want to get to a campaign victory before I burn myself out, right? On on playing the game so that I can get the achievement, right, for whatever victory like like winning the game on Beastmen, winning the game on Wood Elves or, or whatever else. Um, but the interesting thing about that 
is that Warhammer 3 doesn't have that because they haven't added achievements for any of the the previous factions from, you know, like Warhammer Warhammer 3, or I'm sorry, Warhammer 2 and Warhammer 1. Um, and so I actually made my own personal spreadsheet of the different legendary lords and I'm tracking victories on them on my, on sort of like my own terms. And it's just like lining all of those things up. It's weird to think about how it directs and influences kind of the way that, um, you know, the way that I want to play, uh, any of these sorts of games. Yeah, no, no, that makes, that makes, that makes sense. That makes sense to me. Um, actually we're, we're at about time. Do you want to talk about Mortal Empires? Cause I assume that's like all you've been doing for your week. The only other, so yeah, I have mostly been doing Immortal Empires. I didn't raid. I didn't do any Mythic Plus. I, I like, I may have logged into WoW a couple of times, like to like set legendaries or something. But yeah, basically, I have just been mainlining Immortal Empires, which has been an incredible. Ex it is wild that this thing exists, right? It is just a. When that do does a promise like this ever get kept in the gaming world? Right? Have I talked about the ten the ten years thing? On the did I talk about yeah, that? Yeah, I think week you, I believe you to, did. Well, I'm feel free yeah, to recap like, it for for our listeners. The ten the ten years thing is Warhammer One when Total War Warhammer was announced. Right? It was announced in 2012, and they announced that it was going to be a trilogy that was going to have. Um, uh, different you know like it, it was going to expand the world right um they were going to add races and they were going to add legendary lords and they were going to add units all throughout and all of that would be playable into warhammer 2 and into warhammer 3 right so in total war warhammer 1 just imagine just like i just like the scale of this right you have eight legendary lords in four starting locations that's it you can, you can start in four places. You can choose one of two legendary lords to start in those places. That's it. That's, that's all you get for the whole, for the whole game, right? Um, I guess technically five if you if you include the Warriors of Chaos DLC, which was the, the launch DLC of, the, of that game. Um, then you know you get to Warhammer, then you get to Warhammer 2 and okay, well now we have now we're now we're cooking with some fire. We have high elves, we're adding Skaven. We've also added Beastmen Wood Elves, we've added Bretonia, we've added Norska, right? So those four factions, five factions from launch are now nine factions, right? And then we're adding in four more. So we're up to 13 factions and then there's two more DLC factions with with the Tomb Kings and the Vampire Coast. Okay, all right, cooking with gas, let's go, right? But the but the Mortal Empires map is very truncated. The Southlands is cut off. You know, the the eastern side of the map is almost completely cut off. Um the the western side of the map is also insanely truncated, right? Lustria just becomes the this this bowl of um of all these legendary lords like constantly fighting one another because the settlements are so like incredibly tightly packed against one another. And now we're at Immortal Empires where it's all there. It's all there. This that's the thing that's incredible to me. The full Southlands is there. All of Lustria is there. You can play on, you know, one of my playthroughs right now is Rakarth, Beast, Beast, Beast Lord, Beast Master, Rakarth, who's a who's a dark elf legendary lord. Um, he starts on the western edge of Lustria, and just the feeling that you get out of 
crossing the mountains from the west side of Lustria. Lustria kind of being like like South America, right? And then there's these the, these mountains that are essentially the Andes called the Spine of Sotek. Um, and you have to cross, you know, like as as Rakarth, I'm, I'm running around, I'm raiding all of these different, you know, I'm raiding the dwarves, I'm raiding the lizardmen, I'm, I'm making peace with the Skaven or whatever else. Um, and just that feeling of having to cross from the western side of, of a continent to the eastern side of a continent, I was just like, this is insane. This is so crazy. Cathay is in the game. And not only is Cathay in the game, it is more fully in the game now than it even was in the, the Realm of Chaos DLC, right? Or, or the Realm of Chaos map, which is the map that Warhammer 3 launched with. Because the Realm of Chaos looks down on the top of the globe, right? So the bottom of the map is actually sort of this curved sort of surface. And it actually cuts off a ton of provinces right that would otherwise be in Cathay those provinces those provinces are in immortal empires right you can set sail off of the eastern coast of Cathay and hop into what is what is called a sea lane right that will take you to the western coast of Lustria right and you can you can circumnavigate the globe that way which is just like it is it's just batshit that that you can that you can do this this kind of stuff and on top of all of it on top of all of it you have all of these quality of life features that i was talking about on warhammer 3's launch right how the the settlement battles are are completely different and so and so unique compared to what they were in total war warhammer 2 because in warhammer 2 you either had walled settlements right to fight through or you had field battles in the in the minor settlements but now you're doing these things where you're you know you're kind of packing into lanes you're packing into streets one of my playthroughs right now is deathmaster snickich who is or snickch um who is the leader of clan eshin right which is the the cathay version of skaven who are um assassins right so they're all about they're all about stealth. They're all about uh, you know like stalk and, and and snipe and stuff like that. And one of the crazy things that you can do if you're playing Deathmaster Death Snitch is you can set up around a minor settlement where you put your stealth units at different entrances to the city, and the AI can't see the stealth units, so you actually get to sneak in. You can sneak past their defenses because they don't, you know, they put their defenses where you have your main army, and then you're sneaking in the back door, and it feels insanely cool to do this in real time. I could not believe that I had never had the opportunity to do this in, in any of these, you know, in any of these previous Total War games, because obviously Stalk is a, like, like that stealth is a, is a powerful ability, being able to get really close to someone before they know that you know before they know that you're there um uh but just like using it to to kind of fuck with how the ai uh creates its defenses this is like the stuff that strategy games is built off of um and so i am just in awe i am in awe of every of every aspect of immortal empires um and it bothers me that I can't play more of it. I wish I was fucking playing it right, right the fuck now. The one thing that I will say is that there are an unfortunate number of bugs uh, in the game. They are not, they are game, I don't want to say game breaking. Game breaking bugs are, you literally cannot play the game, right? They are, um, they are bugs that crash you to desktop when you trigger this thing, right? They are bugs that, you know, you get some weird memory leak somewhere and it crashes your whole computer, right? Like that, this is like death 
scenario. You hate you hate to see these kinds of bugs in games. These are not game-breaking bugs, but they are game-ruining bugs, right? I had a playthrough on the Heralds of Ariel, uh, which is a Wood Elf faction. And one of the things that is neat about the Wood Elves is there's all these Wood Elf factions all across the world. And you can confederate them by fighting battles on their behalf, right? Uh, so if you go and you fight Bretonia, you know, the wood elves that are at war with Bretonia will confederate with you if you help them out, right? You, you, you complete this quest, you win a couple of battles against this race, boom, here you go. Here's a, here's a settlement for you, basically, right? The frustration that I'm... That, that, that I'm having is stuff like those quests fail to complete correctly, right? You know, Orion, my personal favorite legendary lord, the namesake of my fucking cat, so right? put your cat in the game? Yeah, exactly. Orion, uh, when I got his confederation quest, I gunned for it really hard. I was like, oh, I, I want, I need to confederate Orion. I need to add him to my... Uh, I need to add him to my roster, right, as as my legendary lord. And uh, and I, I completed the quest, and it didn't trigger. It showed me the quest completed thing, but I did not get the confederation event, and Orion was just sitting there, and I was just like, well, fuck. This sucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, and, uh, and that completely ruined that. I actually restarted. I was just like, you know what? I'm just putting this aside. I'm starting as Orion. Fuck it. Like, <laughs> you know? Um, which... I don't know. That's that's the kind of stuff that sucks uh, about Immortal Empires, and that I've and that I found frustrating uh, about Immortal Empires. It's just like a lot of these little uh, these little aspects, which I know probably come from the fact that they are importing right, you know, ten years worth of development into this new this new project. Right, a lot of this stuff is not going to function correctly. It's not going to trigger correctly. I get that, and I and I'm willing to a certain extent to be patient for it. Uh, but that is the big downside to immortal empires right this second um and yeah i've, I've, heard, I've heard those yeah. types of things called i think like soft locks or maybe it's a version yeah. of soft locking um how's the performance on it because th that's the thing that's very i know you have the performance is insane it the the launch state of immortal empires compared to mortal empires because obviously i was around for mortal empires mortal empires used to have like multiple minute long turn timers where you were cycling through and you're just sitting there for three or four minutes as your computer chugged over time, right? To just process all of these um all of these events and all of these uh and all of these battles. Um so much so, famously, right, that the Total War Warhammer 2 team skipped a DLC cycle, right? They they made an announcement where they said, Hey, we are actually not developing another, you know, they, for a while they were doing these four-month DLCs, right? Every four months you'd get you'd get either a Lord Pack or you'd get a, um, a Race Pack, right? Race Packs being pretty huge, Lord Packs being pretty minor, and then all of those included FLC, you know, free LC, uh, legendary Lords added to the game. Um, the crazy thing about, uh, about th their development cycle is they once said, hey... We're all we are doing here is tech debt. We are just working to optimize the ever living fuck 
out of this game for the next six months, right? Uh, and they eventually released a patch that really like uh, that really cut down on on these on these sort of turn timers. Um, so you know you weren't launching the game in just like absolutely buck wild states. Um, and that work seems to have paid off because even though Immortal Empires has basically doubled the number of factions, you start it starts the game with two hundred seventy two factions, right? Um, and that's actually not as bad. Like the the when the game starts to bog down is when it's tracking all of these different armies all across the globe, all doing whatever, right inside of the fog of war. Um, which, like, to be quite honest, I'm just like, how the how the fuck does any any of that? Like the, the amount of work that goes into resolving this literally global conflict on a on a um, turn by turn basis is quite frankly beyond me, right? But um, um, but those, you know, those turn timers are, you know, maybe 45 seconds a minute, right? Um, uh, in, in the deeper later game, I would say I'm not really in the late game on any of my campaigns. I'm in the mid game on all of my campaigns. Um, it's a little bit tougher, but, uh, yeah, that, that's how it's performing, uh, which is pretty significant, pretty, pretty, that's pretty know, incredible. Uh, that sounds, that sounds yeah, pretty it is. It is pretty incredible. The, uh, the feat of game development here is mind-boggling. I just re there is nothing I can compare it to. I I can't think. Maybe maybe the closest thing to compare it to would be like the Better Call Saul, El Camino, Breaking Bad trifecta, right? Of just having this one team just hit it out of the motherfucking park, you know, for for years on end. Um, like that's maybe that's maybe it. Actually, another one would be the Venture Brothers, who also you know kind of like hit it out of the park um, when it comes to when it comes to that uh, that show and making and that making that show good and, and satisfying. It's like that's what it's like to sit down and play and play Immortal Empires. Um, I will say that it's not the only game that I've been playing because I did squeak in Legend on Hearthstone again. Which was nice. Um, it was much easier to get Legend this time just because my... Well, actually... So it was easier to get Legend on Hearthstone this time. But... Part of... Really, it wasn't that much easier because I had hit Legend that last month. Basically, the way the way placement and stuff like that in Hearthstone works is... Um, you know, when you get a rank in, in a month, at the beginning of the next month, you get a boost based on whatever that rank was, right? So for Legend, it is 11 stars, which is, you know, in bronze, you get 11 stars when you win. So you just rock it through some of these lower ranks, basically, right? Um, but now that I think about it, my ascent to Diamond 5, when you lose all, all of that, right? You know, when, when you get to Diamond, there are no star bonuses ever. You have to win uh, 15 games more than you lose uh, in Diamond 5 in order to progress into Legend, right? Um, I progressed into Diamond 5 actually pretty effortlessly, but then I spent 150 games in Diamond one to one to five in order to get to legend um when i got where, when did i get to diamond i got to diamond uh let's see wow yeah i got to diamond pretty quickly i got to diamond on august uh, diamond five on august 7th and then i just kind of fucked around for a long time where i was just sort of sitting at diamond five winning and losing games um and then when i really buckled down was 
halfway through the month on August 17th. It's kind of nuts that I can just sort of track this. Halfway through the month on August 17th is when I really started to go hard. Um, and I just played Quest Hunter. Wow, Jesus, really? My Quest Hunter 2 Legend was 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9... I went nine and one to get into to get into Legend, uh, so that was man, that's good. Quest Hunter is a is a deck that I like could do a whole fucking podcast about, and I honestly feel bad because people fucking hate this deck, and I think it is great. I think it's actually a really fun and interactive deck, and there are there's a lot of skill to the matchup. But I think the problem is a lot of the skill is on the Quest Hunter, and if the Quest Hunter is playing very very well and knows how to use their their specific uh, you know abilities walking into any of these individual matchups, um, they they can really just sort of take over a game and own and the most recent balance patch really destroyed and, and sort of tanked quest hunters worst matchups um which were uh which was really ramp druid right ramp druid was this this deck that just completely owned quest hunter with its ability to cast celestial alignment and put quest hunter so far behind in terms of um in terms of mana and uh, you know that's that's a thing. It's probably going to get nerfed in two weeks, which I'm depressed about. But you know what, man? I made it to Legend, and I'm I'm happy to sort of figure figure other stuff out past that. Uh, so those are my two weeks in video games. What have you been? What have you been playing? Uh, so uh, mostly I've been playing uh, Rumbleverse and uh, Elden Ring. I beat uh, Millennia, which is largely considered to be the uh, um, the hardest boss of the uh, of the of the game. Um, I also beat Moog, and Moog was fairly easy. I think his name is Moog. He's he's uh, the guy in like the uh, underground palace. Um, so that was fun. Um, I haven't had a chance to go back to it because I went. Uh, I went on basically. I went on vacation this weekend. I went up to Brunswick, Maine, visited uh, Bowdoin's College's art museum and their Arctic Exploration Museum, which was super fun. I uh, highly recommend checking that out if you're into those kinds of things. Um, and I also went to the uh, to I went to Freeport, Maine, to visit the LL Bean store, which uh, it's like that's like their headquarters. And there's like that that whole town is basically dominated by LL Bean. It's kind of ridiculous. Um, wow. There's like there's this big sculpture of a boot of their of you, you know LL Bean's name is Leon Leon Wood Bean, um, which is like just like a weird fucking name. But like there's like there's like the main store, and then attached to the main store is the hunting and fishing store, and then across the road or across like the road is the home goods store, and then there's also like the water, like the you know like the high adventure store with like boats and whatever, and then down the hill there's the outlet store with like the discount merchandise, and there's a whole set of outlets that spring out around it, and like basically dominates the entire downtown of the small town in New England. Um, it's a fun thing to do, like ever like to, you know just like to walk around, especially if you're like into outdoorsy stuff. Um, uh, but that was neat. The other thing I did, and this is, this is semi-related, um, is I started watching the Great British Baking Show with my girlfriend, um, uh, and, uh, uh, that, it was, so I have never understood people getting into reality shows until now. It's like, <laughs> like, I instantly, I'm like, oh, oh, like, you know, it's like, oh, I want him to do well, and I want him to do well, and I think she's bad, 
and uh, and so the so the thing I have heard, I have not watched a lot of reality television. The thing that I have heard is that um, comparatively, and it seems this way, is that Great British Baking Show is a lot friendlier than your typical reality show. People really are on each, at each other's throats. The judge, like the asshole judge, is still like a fairly nice. Is Paul Hollywood, um, and you know it's just been it's and uh, baking is something that is interesting to me. So it's just been nice to like sit here and watch. These people bake cookies and cakes and breads. I was like, oh, this is sweet. This is nice. And then, you know, it's like, oh, no. The the Scottish man has to go home because he screwed up his passion fruit cake. I'm so sad. And everybody is sad for for Tom. I'm started. So Netflix has starting at season five moving forward because I think they I think it was um, not their IP previous to that and then they acquired it. Um but it's uh it's actually a super compelling show at least to me i really enjoy watching uh really enjoy uh, uh watching it um and i'm looking forward to watching the rest of the fifth season um i also think i might have gotten or no i got better call saul semi spoiled for me um by accident in the worst po- in the dumbest possible way um i just do a lot of legal podcasts and somebody mentioned somebody mentioned like I don't think this counts as spoilers, but, um, you know, Saul Goodman gets uh, brought up on RICO charges. I'm like, oh, I can see exactly where that's going, and I'm pretty sure I know how it ends, given, like, the dynamics of that show. Um, so maybe I'm wrong, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I still, haven't, I still haven't gotten into it, but... Yeah, fair enough. Um, <laughs> I, the the thing that I've been watching actually is what we do in the shadows. Uh, have you have you have you seen that show? I have not seen the show. I've seen the movie. The mo- so the movie is obviously very good. I didn't know that the show was so directly. It is created and written a lot by Jermaine Clement, um, and and Taika Waititi even comes in to direct a couple of the episodes. Um, and I was honestly really surprised about that. I kind of expected it to be sort of a handoff. They would have found some you know whoever it is, some no name guy who took over the show um but it was sort of nuts to see that actually yeah no taiko atiti and jermaine clement were the uh um the two who spent time on this show um it's fucking funny it is much funnier than i thought it would be and i love it <laughs> do you know who matt barry is yes yes uh, so i have watched all of the it crowd um okay. before the writer had it went off the deep end um, oh yeah graham linehan yeah. right he's so weird now he yeah got, like banned off twitter for being super transphobic yeah and like not even not even like the kind of way that like you know you might even be able to argue it's like it's like straight up like it's like no like trans people aren't like you know don't deserve rights right like it, it is like hardcore oh my God. um yeah um uh but you know i'm i'm a big proponent of like separating the art from the artist so i i do like sure it crowd and matt barry matt perry plays um, the executive in that show, but yes. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. Does does it, it, okay in that show is Matt Barry mispronouncing things part of his his appeal? Uh, I don't think so. I don't. I don't remember that. Like, okay. mostly he's just kind of like uh, uh, arrogant and bombastic. Um, that is sort of what he's doing in in um, in what we do in the shadows. He plays Laszlo Cravensworth, which is one of the so the you know the the setup for the series is it is a 
it is a group of vampires who live in a house on Staten Island, right? Um, it's three of them. It is Laszlo Cravensworth, his wife, Nadia something, who I don't remember. And then Nandor the Relentless, who is, um, you know, like a like an Ottoman soldier. Um, and then Nandor has a familiar, a human familiar named Guillermo, um, who is such a precious blueberry? I I love Guillermo, but Laszlo is so, so easily. That's all different characters from the movie, right? Like yeah, yeah, yes. So correct, and the characters from the movie actually show up, right? So the characters from the movie live in New Zealand, obviously. Right. Um, uh, and uh, it is like I, I guess it is theoretically the same documentary crew. You know, like the mockumentary does get some screen time in in you know in this and they do stuff that i think is actually pretty funny which is they follow they they follow a storyline diegetically and you it's always using that sort of mockumentary format or whatever right but um they're following this format they're they're following this through line uh diegetically and then they the the documentary crew will they'll like the the stinger at the end will be that oh yeah the documentary crew is there right so they're like for instance there's there's a moment in an episode where um uh, a group of vampire hunters goes into a house full of vampires right um and it's you know like it's it's played like this like this joke because the vampire hunters are um, unprepared for what they are about to face, right? So, they're, so they're going in and they're and they're you know, I guess having a tough time with with the vampires in the house. And then once the vampires have killed all the vampire hunters, they start attacking the documentary crew who followed the vampire hunters into the house and stuff like that. That's just like funny, right? Or like there's a moment where a certain group of vampires are put in, you know, like in in interview with a vampire the way that the vampires execute other vampires is they put them in a well right so that the sun comes up and then they get fried by the sun in the in the well or whatever and um and the documentary crew is at the bottom of this well um with these other vampires and the stinger on, on that episode is is a guy looks down into the well and there's the sound guy and the camera guy and they're just sort of waiting because they're human they're fine right <laughs> like and so it's just stuff like that but anyway matt barry is so fucking funny in this show and part of his his Part of his humor is just like the it reminds me of the vine. If you have ever seen the vine, you know, come to Del Taco. We've got free Shavakadu, free Shavakadu, which is fresh avocado, but it's like spaced out. So it looks like free Shavakadu, which is just a weird, dumb way to pronounce fresh avocado. And it's dumb, but it's also very funny. And Matt Berry does the exact same thing with like the weirdest words like he pronounced new york city he's like new york city and it's like that's so dumb but it's also very fun <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and so anyway laszlo cravensworth fantastic character jackie daytona is an icon none of this will make sense until you watch it it is on hulu which i don't know if you care about but they're they're I don't know. There you go. That's that's my what we do in the shadows update. This shit is funny. Actually, maybe the best way to explain Matt Barry's humor is something called the boat race. Do you know about the boat race? Have you ever heard of this? It is a viral YouTube video that Matt Barry narrates, which is like a like six minute spoof of like a history person, like explaining the history of this boat race between 
Cambridge and Oxford universities, but it is also just full of him mispronouncing dumb bullshit. So my friends Ian and Devin showed it to me, and I did not really get it at first, but I have since watched it again, and it only gets more and more funny in the dumber and dumber ways, right? Like he doesn't pronounce he doesn't pronounce it university, he pronounces it university, and I don't know why, but that's just is really funny. In his like super posh accent, I don't know, it's crazy. Anyway, what we do in the shadows exactly as good as everyone has already said has always said it was, and I love it. And there you go, that's my that's my update uh, on uh, on that. Do you, did you ever play Frog Fractions, the original? Frog Fractions, I don't think so. This is like an old Flash game that like quickly turns into something else. It's like legendary for a long time, um, but there's a bit in the middle of it. Where, like, you're swimming through the water and the game is talking, explaining the history, like, this fake history of boxing. Where, like, it's like, boxing used to be two people arguing. And then at some point, somebody discovered they could win faster by punching the other person in the face. Um, and it's like, but it's like a long-form version of that, right? It's playing while you're swimming. I should, I need to send you Frog Fractions. Because if you haven't played Frog Fractions, it's a piece of gaming history. Um, so the, the conceit. Just to spoil it a little bit, is it starts out like, like an educational style, like you know, like edutainment game, right? Like there's frogs on a lily pad and you're swallowing fractions, and eventually it diverges off into like insanity. Um, but yeah, um, I actually I don't know. Oh man, it might be hard to play now because it was originally it was like a, an old Flash game, right? And you know, Flash. I, I see that they there is a Steam release of it. Okay. So, yeah. I I you should go play you should go play Frog Fractions. The um, what was what else did I want to talk about? Um, they put out a release trailer or not release a pre-order tra trailer for Victoria Three, so I'm very excited for that. Um, comes out October 25th. Is like the only yeah that was my reaction to what I found out earlier today. I was like it's like the only game I'm really excited for <laughs> this year for the rest of this year. The oh my god, the, that's so much sooner than I expected. Yeah, though I guess it was announced. Last year, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So maybe I'm just fucking insane. Um, oh my god, there's trains. <gasps> this is like live react to the to the Victoria to the Vicky Three trailer. Are we gonna play? Are we gonna play a mega game? I have I have heard about people playing these mega games that start in oh like uh, start in like in what Imperator and like play all the way forward. Yeah, yeah. It's, you start in Imperator. And then I guess you have to go to Crusader Kings two. I don't think you can go to Crusader Kings three from Imperator, right? Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I actually don't know if you can go from Imperator because Imper people are kind of mad because Imperator basically died. Like they basically gave up on that game. Um, oh no, that actually sucks because I did. I thought there was potential. I yeah, guess is what yeah. I would say about Imperator, but yeah, I don't know. We we were kind of harsh to Imperator when it came out, and to be fair, I did never go back to it. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, we are, how, how wrong are they really? But yeah, people, people. I guess they must start with um, with Crusader Kings three, go to Europa Universalis, and then go to Victoria two. Um, so yeah, because yeah, I remember yeah. I remember this being for like the last version. You did like CK two to EU three to Vicky two to Hearts of Iron three. Um, oh, that's true. I didn't think about going to Hearts of Iron. Fuck Hearts of Iron. Mm. Hearts of Iron is another like white whale game of mine, and they have been putting out regular content for that. Um, and I told myself I was going to get back into it when they released the No Step Back 
uh, DLC, which was the Russia DLC, right? You know, each of the DLC so far has focused on like one of the individual main powers, and then typically a couple of the like the minor ones, right? Um, so they did a Japan one, or I, the Japan one was actually like Japan and China. Um, it was called like Wake of the Tiger. Um, they did one for um, Britain, maybe that makes sense. France. Yeah, like, and it's just like uh, they did one for America, which which has the Senate. Like the the America one is actually really neat because you really have to like like contend with the politics. Where really the thing is, is you want to go to war and you want to bring the full fight of the United States military to bear, and you are fighting tooth and nail for every fucking vote in Congress, right? Which is just like not what you would expect out of like a Hearts of Iron simulator. Um, uh, and then. <clears throat> Uh, and then No Step Back was uh, was the Soviet Union, right? This, the very Soviet Union-focused one. And um, I – the Soviet Union has just a really fun profile in that game because, like, they can get a lot of industry, but, like, they are also in – like, they are probably one of the biggest powerhouses – you know, they're obviously one of the biggest powerhouses in terms of just sort of having unlimited manpower and just – the most constant ability to flood any of their fronts with troops, but you never have to deal with like being the good guy in the way that you you do when you're playing like the UK or the US, where like you get huge penalties if you do things like have super harsh mandatory conscription, right? Germany gets to have super harsh mandatory conscription because they're fascist, right? The Soviet Union gets to have super harsh mandatory conscription because they're communists. Communist, that have no regard for human the life. US, yes. you, you, yeah, the US and Britain are both democracies and you can't piss off your population too much or they'll get really or they'll get really mad at you sort of thing. So I have never actually returned to Hearts of Iron 4, but I always fucking want to. I also know that they have a new DLC coming out called Blood Alone, which I have no idea what the fuck that is. But I don't know. I yeah. hope it's cool. That was That's the old expression, right? World War II is one with uh, Russian manpower, American steel, and British intelligence. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, the 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 funny thing is that it's like it's like how in Warhammer, everybody plays the Empire, right? You know, like even in the most popular race in Warhammer is always the Empire, and then Warhammer Two it was the High Elves, uh, and then Warhammer Three it's Kislev, right? You know, people like these order factions, um, and uh, uh, that's what happens in that's what happens in Hearts of Iron. Twenty four. It's it like twenty four percent of all hearts of iron games uh that you know like that have ever been played and you can and hearts of iron is a game where you can play everything right like you can play zimbabwe if you wanted you have you have games where people conquer the map as ethiopia right who win their initial war with italy and then go on to conquer the globe right um uh 24% of all games are Nazi are Nazi Germany. Everybody wants to pl everybody wants to because you are just enough of an underdog that it is challenging and fun in a way that kind of the US isn't. Once the US once you figure out how to get the US into the war, you just fucking dominate. Like you you just you have so much power in that game. It is just a matter of getting Congress to let you use it, right? Um 
but uh, but you actually are kind of the underdog when you're playing when you're playing Nazi Germany. But you just like win every fucking battle because you have like this insane like the the German tech is so good and their armies are so insane um, that they just kind of win. They just like win everything that they ever that they ever fight, and it's fun, you know, kind of doing the alternate history. What if, you know, what if Germany? But the one that I did when I played my Hearts of Iron game um, was uh, I um, I did I I didn't break the 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 you know the Soviet Union German truce whatever that thing is in 1941 right think of how many lives you save how many all of these resources you have to bring to bear against the US and the UK when you don't commit those troops to the eastern front right um and that's just like the fun historical what ifs that Hearts of Iron lets you play out yeah i i, I remember Larian Studios put out like a blog post that was like and for the Baldur's Gate 3 thing it's like we put in all these options. Like, the most popular option by far is, like, you know, male human fighter. <laughs> um, uh, you know, just, like, every <laughs> Hello, Orion. Hello, Orion. O Orion is saying hello to everyone. Or Orion, oh, Orion, Orion heard that, uh, that he was... That he was in in uh, Warhammer, so <laughs> yeah, he was failing to get confederated, yeah. and so he came over. Yeah, are you going to confederate with me, little boy? He he is mad because I have not fed him yet, and it is his kid's time. <laughs> All right, well we can we can wrap this up soon. The only other last thing I wanted to mention was the uh, the trailer for the new Weird Al movie um, <gasps> dropped. Did you see that? Yeah. Yes, I, I, and it's well, so good, and it's funny because so. It's a par like we know that this is a parody. Yeah, so, movie, so right? like, like I was unsure of like how how true to form it was going to be, and like immediately it's not because like Weird Al's yeah. dad in real life was like known as like the Polka King, right? So it was, like okay. his dad definitely would not have had an issue with him like playing polka yeah. music. Obviously, does not fuck Madonna. Yeah, right? yeah that's, like, that's like, that too. Right? <laughs> I was, I was sitting there and I was reading tweets on Twitter about like, oh my God, Weird Al is like, I can't believe, and like people were mad about it. They were like, Weird Al is doing the generic music biopic. And I was like, you guys, I'm pretty sure they're doing Walk Hard starring Weird yeah, Al. Right. But like, I I don't know. <laughs> I actually can't confirm that. Uh, I, yes, the Weird Al trailer outside of Black Adam is probably the, the movie I am most looking forward to this year. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it makes sense that they're having Al dub over the singing scenes, but I was kind of hoping I'd get to hear Daniel Radcliffe sing Weird Al songs. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, <sighs> but yeah. So that's that's the last big thing uh, for the week. So I'll wrap it up here. Unless you had anything else you want to talk about, buddy. I have nothing else I want to talk All about. All right. Yeah, we got we got raised soon anyway. So if you'd like to email us about anything you thought about um, what we talked about today. You can uh, you can email us at subdrusplaygames at gmail.com or podcast at subdrusplaygames.com. Watch these at twitch.tv slash tv switch.tv These go out live. Join our lovely audience. Um, what else? Uh, we've got a Patreon. We've uh, we we're, wherever you find podcasts if you'd like prefer to listen to us. Um, although uh, yeah, uh, so we're everywhere. Uh, and everything I have, buddy. You have anything else you're looking to promote? Uh, the one thing I do want to mention is that Absolute Tactics, one of the the, the next Akupara game game to be released, um, you know the the turn based tactics RPG, uh, is coming out on September fifteenth, which is in you know a little a little more than two weeks. Um, 
So I'm very excited. That that was the big announcement that I was teasing at the end of last week. <laughs> is, is that the that, uh, which which one is this? Is this the uh, this is this is the one that is developed by a guy named Jason Shields, who is um, a very sweet guy. He is a developer on the Borderlands series um, and has been working at Gearbox for for a long time. Um, but you know, he just had this passion project of like a throwback to some of these you know older tactics titles right like final fantasy tactics ogre or whatever else right um is this the and... one that's all women or is that a different there's like a tactics game that's like the, the thing is that it's like all the all the characters are women maybe i'm thinking of a different well game. yeah the, the characters are definitely not all all women um uh, but yeah, the the thing that makes Absolute Tactics very cool is the way multi-classing works. There's there's 24 classes in the game, and they ha they are defined by these books, right, which are like items. Um, and the neat thing is that for any character in the game, you can put two books on on them in order to create like a dual class character. And so like those synergies are really neat and really interesting. And that's the stuff that I think is 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 really hot about. Uh, about absolute tactics. Oh, it's um, the subtitle so. is Daughters of Mercy, which is why I thought it was the all women one. That is true. Yeah, the the Daughters of Mercy are in fact the bad guys ah. in uh, in absolute tactics. Neat. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That that sounds really cool. I'll definitely check it out. I love these tactics games. Um. Yeah. But uh, we're out of time, and so I'm going to say uh, until next time, real listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners. Thank you.